It's time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our theme music is Fruit of the Louvre, provided by Flint composer-producer Howard Eddy. Stay tuned, because it's on now. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. The Tom Sumner Program. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through right it. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccine are available to millions of Americans and soon they will be available to everyone. This vaccine means hope. It will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. I want to go back to work and I want to be able to move around. To visit with Michelle's mom, the hugger and see her on her birthday. You know what I'm really looking forward to is going to opening day in Texas Ranger Stadium with a full stadium. We've lost enough people, and we've suffered enough damage. In order to get rid of this pandemic, it's important for our fellow citizens to get vaccinated. I'm getting vaccinated because we want this pandemic to end as soon as possible. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. So roll up your sleeve and do your part. This is our shot. Now it's up to you. Hi, I'm U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow, and I'm listening to the Tom Sumner Show. The Tom Sumner Program is made possible with support from Seth David Radwell, a recent guest on the program and author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold a Secret to Healing Our Nation, released in July 2021. As Publishers Weekly writes in its recent glowing review of American Schism, business executive Radwell's epic debut examines the historical influences that have led to what he sees as the collapse of politics in the United States. Seth Radwell makes the case that the current chasm between the American right and left can be traced back to the 18th century's Age of Enlightenment and the basic tenets of liberty, equality, and reason. American Schism provides a historical perspective that can help bridge current-day divides. American Schism by Seth David Radwell is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, go to AmericanSchismBook.com. Hey, good morning and welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Tom Sumner, and uh, starting out this Labor Day with... Uh, a couple of welcomes. One welcome to me because I'm back from a week of uh, vacation and I uh, want to welcome a new sponsor. You just heard uh, Seth David Radwell was a guest on the show a few weeks ago and, and asked if he could become a sponsor and I said of course. 
And he's also become an occasional visitor uh, for armchair politics. He's done it once so far, but promised to, to come back. Um, but we're going to uh, pay a little tribute opening up today um, to the fact that it's Labor Day with a brand new interview with uh, Margaret Ferentz, or Maggie Ferentz, who is Senior Vice President of um, Business Credit and Ops uh, at uh, Huntington National Bank. And she's, uh, we're going to talk about, she's going to share some tips on how to empower your business in 2021 and beyond. And then we turn our t- attention to the fact that Rosh Hashanah begins at sundown tonight. And so in honor of that, we're going to talk with a professor of history and Judaic studies at the University of Michigan, Deborah Dash Moore, about Jewish history, Jewish American history, and some of her writing. And then we're going to talk with a businessman who uh, has a new book um, that talks about the anti-Semitic uh, BDS movement. And it's called Conspiracy U, a case study by Scott Shea. And it's uh, pretty interesting uh, Pretty interesting stuff, just talking about uh, just the whole idea of conspiracy theories and and how they're finding their way onto college campuses, and he has some real issues with that, and uh, anti-Semitism in general. So we're going to have a couple of uh, interviews um, leading up to Rosh Hashanah, of course, which begins at uh, sundown tonight and runs right up for 10 days into Yom Kippur and uh, anyway we'll we'll find out more about that with uh, our guests a little later in the show but first we're going to talk about um, the impact of uh, COVID-19 on small businesses and business development and what opportunities and resources are out there with uh, Maggie Ferentz who's uh, coming up here in um, just a minute. She's, uh, again, the vice president and uh, business banking credit. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, This is the Tom Sumner program. My next guest, we're going to talk about, uh, um, oh, we're going to talk about small business and uh, uh, building, rebuilding rather, financial security in urban neighborhoods with the vice president and the business banking credit SBA and operations director for Huntington Bank, based in Columbus, Ohio. Her name is uh, Margaret Ference or Maggie, and she joins me by phone. Hi, Maggie. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, I, I guess it. it Given the times we're living in, the obvious first question is um, how nations or how the nation's small businesses, and in particular um, businesses in uh, urban neighborhoods, have been affected by the pandemic. It's a great question. And, well, I will say some of the most resilient stories you will hear come out of the world of small businesses. You know, we really start with some troubling statistics. You know, according to a story out of the Washington Post not too long ago, 
26% of black-owned businesses actually shuttered their doors between February and May of 2020. So if you think about when the, when the pandemic first hit and PPP loans were you know, just coming to the table and other stimulus packages were very obviously in need, you know, some of the immediate impacts are, are, are going to take a while to really reverse and for you know, the small business community to get back to the table and start uh, you know, rebuilding and, and growing again. Um, but I will say that, you know, while we are about a year removed from the start of the pandemic, and the pandemic is certainly, you know, maintaining its grips on our on our country at this time, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And we are starting to see that resiliency come back to the table. Oh, many, many small businesses did take advantage of the PPP program. They're rebuilding. They're leaning into recovery. And we're starting to see some really nice trends shape up. What about some of those trends? Because I've been... Um reading things uh, that a lot of small businesses are really concerned about the rise in uh, cases, especially with regard to uh, COVID-19 variants, and that we might be facing shutdowns again. Well, you know, absolutely when we get concerned about things like shutdowns, you know, you know, we can always start with a conversation of we want to make sure that everyone's you know, doing their part and trying to uh, make make the right decisions for themselves and for their families to try to keep the pandemic spread at bay and really help us move on from this, this you know this critical uh, time period that that our country and our economy has gone through. Um, but if you if we start to watch um, really the the difference between the the folks that are um, you know taking uh, heed of of the advice um, from folks like the CDC and still taking an opportunity to go out, um, you know, to find ways to be safe, you know, to, to entertain their families and their friends and to take advantage of some of the small businesses that have reopened, but to also find a way to actually um, partake in um, the small businesses that have also flexed a little and found ways to be a little bit more, uh, you know, bring some ingenuity to the table. So curbside pickup and delivery services and things like that where they flex their business model um, in a way that actually accommodates customers that, you know, aren't quite ready to go back and, you know, eat indoors at a restaurant. And we've started to see small businesses find ways to make sure that they can cater to both. Um, you know, we live in a free country, and people absolutely have the right to make their own decisions. Small businesses are taking advantage of making sure they can cater to both sides right now. And I was reading a, a statistic um, that 60% of small business closures due to the pandemic are permanent and won't be reopening. Do you have any sense, Maggie, for how many of those just had difficulty accessing the PPP money you referred to a moment ago? You know, I think it's going to be a, a while until we have really strong numbers on that exact statistic. But if you stop and think about, you know, in, in a normal year, 600,000 businesses close in a normal year. And in, from March of 20 to February of 21, an additional 200,000 businesses closed. So knowing that we had a, an increase of, of, you know, a third of what we usually see in a year, um, we know that obviously COVID hit and COVID hit hard. And one of the, the things that, again, it's going to take a while for us to get real statistics on how many claim that, you know, you know, inability to access something like a PPP loan or additional stimulus packages. I mean, there were shuttered venue grants and there were things offered in local municipalities. Um, but the bottom line is, you know, COVID is, a, is, is just another reason that 
a small business can fail. And small businesses are met with unique challenges in every economic cycle and, and, and frankly, in every home. You know, a small business starts with, you know, a mom or a dad or, you know, a, a young dream hitting the streets for the first time. And it's met with just unbelievable challenges compared to their, you know, corporate and larger peers. So to throw a, you know, a national, uh, a worldwide pandemic on top, it was unprecedented. You know, balance sheets uh, at the startup or the small business level aren't meant to weather the storm that this particular pandemic brought to the table. Um, so it's, but I do think it's going to be some time before we'll actually understand the true cause. But the individual cause for each of those small businesses is going to be very personal. And it's going to take time for the communities to rebuild around them, you know, when, when the shop on the corner that was used to be there and used to be a go-to is, is no longer available. You know, we've talked for years about uh, small businesses and and the the high rate of failure with small businesses. And without you know without factoring in a major global pandemic, how long does a, a small business have to be in business and survive before it's it's no longer teetering the way new businesses often do? Well, it's so often a cycle. I mean, for, for us, uh, you know, I would say in the biz, you know, we're really looking for three years before we actually consider them out of their true startup phase. Uh-huh. You know, at the time that we're helping a small business begin, we actually ask for three years of cash flow projections. And we're trying to think through the, you know, an access to capital conversation, an access to capital budget that really helps them understand the first three years that they're in business. But I also tell everyone there's, there's about a seven-year itch as well where, you know, you, you hit that point where you've been in business for a period of time, and now it's time to grow. And I will say one of my, my favorite visits that I ever did, I was, I was uh, uh, meeting with a, a group of local brewers. And, you know, before everybody laughs, you know, that was one of my favorite visits. Um, one of the things I loved about it was the science behind how they actually uh, focused their, their, their brewery recipe. And the gentleman was, was sharing with me that you can't simply double the batch. That one of the worst mistakes that you make, and anyone who's listening that's a baker, it's very similar, that, you know, you, you, you can't just, you know, double the flour, double the sugar, double the eggs, that it becomes more of a science when you take the batch from, you know, you know sustaining one level of production to the next, and that it takes time to really help your recipe grow. And it's an analogy that I've really carried with me over the years. As we watch small businesses expand their operations, you can't simply double the batch, especially when you're the primary owner and operator. So around that seven-year mark, you know, there's, there's generally an opportunity to grow, to expand, to go into your second location, your third location, you know, to add a, a night shift or a second production line. And one of the most critical points is when they hit the what's next opportunity. Is the balance sheet ready? How are they going to, uh, you know, how are they going to extend themselves personally? Are they going to bring on a trusted partner? Are they ready to develop a board? Or do they have a, you know, a, a key uh, partner in terms of, you know, accounting and legal advice? And as they start to make that shift, we see another round of, um, you know, complexity and, and even potential risk uh, for, as a financial partner. And that can be repeated a hundred times during the life of a small business. More about small businesses with Maggie Ferentz from Huntington Bank.
straight ahead. Hello out there, everybody. It's me, Tigger. T-I-Double-G-R. That spells Tigger. And don't forget to remember to listen to Tom Sumner program on account of because he's so bouncy. <laughs> I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our lives have been turned upside down by COVID-19. When a vaccine becomes available, it's critical that all of us get it. What we do as individuals will impact everyone's health, including those who can't get the vaccine. We won't get through this unless everyone takes part. Now is the time to get up to date on all recommended vaccines for both kids and adults. Experts say it's more important than ever for everyone to get their flu vaccine this year. And if you're older, you should get both the flu and pneumonia vaccines, since both illnesses can make COVID-19 even worse. Vaccines are available at a lot of convenient places, so be an example for friends and loved ones and encourage them to get vaccinated too. We all want to reunite, travel, and get back to school and work. But that means we all need to get on board. This is the time to do what's right for each other. Get vaccinated. It's our best shot. Hey, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. Catch me and a gaggle of great guests weekdays on Our Voices Radio, WFOVLP 92.1 FM. You never know who might drop by. Joe Biden from the Blue Hawaiian. Dan Serling. Congressman Dan Kildee. Alexander Zondrick. Actor, comedian Joe Napote. Woodrow Stanley. U.S. Senator Debbie Stabenow. State Senator Jim Annan. Comedian Brian McCree. The unknown comic. Mark Farner. And Tom, I want you to know Tom's my friend. You, you've always got great questions, and you know the material, and you, and you care about it, and it's, uh, it's that's impressive. Nice to be with you, Tom. And I admire you for reading all of that. I haven't read the whole thing. I'm willing to admit that. <laughs> hey, Tom, this is my favorite interview all It's like having coffee at the kitchen table with you. Tune in Monday through Friday from 9 to 12 right here on 92.1 of a Kind. And check out our website at TomSumnerProgram.com. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond. Where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air. Where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums. Where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses. 
and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. This is Congressman Dan Kildee, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More about small businesses with Maggie Ferentz from Huntington Bank. Straight ahead. I remember years ago uh, hearing once that uh, one of the most difficult times for a uh, new or emerging business was opening the second store. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah, and like it, I said, we, we call it the seven-year because it seems to pop up around that time. <laughs> that's that's interesting. Um a lot of people have been pushed out of their out of their jobs. They were laid off or furloughed um, during the pandemic because so many places were closed down. And a lot of those people have decided not to go back to their pre-pandemic jobs. Um, are are a lot of those people looking to start businesses and and is the pandemic in some way, has it served uh, a, a, as a good time for people to rethink what they're doing and, and try something new? You know, that's such a great question. And I will say that, you know, for, for you know, so many negative aspects of, of this worldwide health crisis, it is more of a silver lining. Um, you know, folks were required to stay home. Um, you know, we, 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 what we laugh about, you know, people were binge watching television and kids were riding bikes again. I mean, nobody could find a bike in the entire country. Everything sold out in minutes. And it, you know, it felt very nostalgic. It felt, you know, like the, you know, like the days of old of, you know, the sixties, the seventies, the eighties, when, you know, kids were out on the streets again. But one of the things that we also saw is that, you know, priorities shifted. People were home. People were hanging out together as a family. They were having dinner around the table and, you know, even work from home for the people that were still employed, they were all present in a nuclear unit. And, you know, whether you were a family or whether you were single, you, you had a lot of time that didn't exist in the weeks and months prior. And that time led to, you know, you know personal thoughts and, and, you know, what are you passionate about in times of great stress? You know, what are your, you know, are your priorities right? And I've heard so many people talk about, you know, getting back to their health or getting back to, you know, spending more time with their families. And one of the other things we're seeing is really getting to their passions. You know, I've waited all this time to start a business or I see a gap. We hear a lot of people talk about, you know, it would have been so fantastic if X existed and I realized how badly that's needed in my community while I was off, you know, working from home. I'm not going to go back to work. I'm actually going to start a small business. Um, or I've always been passionate about X, and I spent the time while I was, you know, working from home or while I was laid off to research the opportunity. So when I talk about the trends that we're seeing, you know, one of the things we're actually really pleased, to, you know, to start to see the statistics come back is the, the demand for access to capital and the demand of, for, for startups for, for that reinvestment to come back to the table. And I think that's exactly, you hit the nail on the head. People are excited now to do something different um, and, and, and sometimes it takes, you know, a little bit of a crisis or, you know, something to really act as a catalyst to get that dream going again. And for some of those people, it's because there, there is a, a talent they have that, that maybe they didn't feel confident enough to try to do for a living or as a profession. 
Um, and I'm thinking about people who always want to start a restaurant or somebody who, you know, is good with computers and decided that they wanted to do computer repair. Or, you know, there are any number of, of things that, that people might come up with to do. And they might be good at that one thing, you know, making something or providing a service. But running a business is, is a whole different skill set. Um, what what do people need to do in order to get to that next step where they're actually out there doing the thing they want to do? Absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of people, you know, listening will think to themselves, you know, who would start a small business right now? And <laughs> right. I, I tell everyone there's never... Yeah, right? There's, there's really never a bad time to start a small business if you're prepared. And, and that starts with, you know, doing the research on what you're trying to do. You know, yes, there are bad times to start certain small businesses. Um, you know, I would say that, you know, during the, you know, the most challenging times, I mean, think about really the, you know, the, the lockdown in the state of Michigan during the, 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 the height of the COVID crisis last spring, when, you know, it would be a terrible time to start a restaurant. <laughs> um, right. Yet, you know, if it's pouring down rain, it's a great time to open an umbrella store. And if you think about, you know, doing the research of, of what goes into starting a small business, you know, if you have the resume, if you're prepared, um, I, you know, I'll also use the analogy, though. I, I, I would tell everyone, I don't want my brain surgeon to be a good accountant. I want them to be a good brain surgeon. So it comes down to making sure that you partner with someone that really helps you make up for any areas where you have a gap. You've never run a small business before. You might be a fantastic plumber, an amazing baker, but you've never run a small business. And making sure that you really leverage the resources that are available in your community to help you with things like accounting advice, legal advice, HR advice, you know, helping you incorporate your small business. One of the biggest points, you know, the tips that I will give to anyone is setting up an independent tax ID number or finding ways to, ever, to leverage um, an LLC to help both protect you personally, but to also create scenarios, uh, you know, really, really create a, a, an independent, legitimate identity for your small business. It'll help you establish credit. It'll help you get access to, you know, free programs and, and financial uh, education, but also really, like, that helps you establish that independence for your small business that was actually critical for access to things like PPP back in the spring. And, and again, kind of bringing the conversation full circle, making sure that you, you know, do the research, understand a marketing plan. And people hear marketing, they think it's a spend, they think you, know, that you have to run an advertisement or create a flyer. It really is about making sure that you're leveraging a network to help your business get to your, get to your clientele. You know, who's going to be looking for your service? Who's going to be looking for your product? And are you prepared to deliver it in a way that is articulated in your business plan so that other people can understand what your small business is going to be doing. And then we go through conversations like access to capital and really you know, the, the, the sustaining a, a business plan that can get you through those first couple of years like we just talked about. You know, it makes so much sense on paper, and I've talked to a lot of business experts who have given similar uh, advice, Maggie, is something you mentioned a moment ago, and that's if you have a particular skill but it isn't running a business, um, you partner with someone who has the skills you don't have. But partnerships 
very often come with their own special problems. Are there four hire agencies, consultants, um, I, I don't know, bankers maybe, that have expertise that, you know, can be brought into a project without necessarily running into the, the traps that, that partnership can sometimes uh, set? Absolutely. And frankly, there's all of the above. There are a tremendous number of free resources, free financial education. You know, at Huntington specifically, we have a program called Lift Local that not only does it provide um, very low fee, very patient access to capital for startups that are, uh, and, and uh, small businesses that are owned by women, minorities, veterans, and those that are located in LMI or a majority-minority census tract, but it comes with free financial education. It comes with the ability, um, you know, it, it provides um, software to help you create a business plan to create those cash flow projections and the pro forma balance sheets that I mentioned. And it gives um, a, a financial education coach to actually talk through some of the dynamics of the business plan that you may or may not be thinking through, you know, really analyzing your fixed costs, helping you get prepared for variable costs. I mean, you know, one of the things that's, you know, at the top of every news story right now is the labor shortage and, you know, but, you know the, the potential around inflation and, you know, what's that going to do to some of those variable costs like labor? And then really um, leveraging your network. So, you know, you don't have to go so far as to pay a consultant or to pay an accountant, you know, pay, to pay for those legal services, especially if you're a startup. Now, obviously, you know, the, the closer you get to an expert, the, the better, in theory, the information, the opinions, the, the direction that they will send you. But there's also a tremendous number of resources available in each community through groups like SCORE with the SBA, through your local CDCs, to really help small businesses get started right. Um, and, and, and then to leverage your network. Ask people that did this. You know, there's people in your neighborhood. There's people in your social circles who run small businesses. You know, the, you know it'll start off possibly a little comical. You know, why would you want to do that? Let me tell you my horror stories. What did they do that helped them? You know, how did they get started? Who did they work with? You know, partnership isn't always a legal agreement. You know, sometimes it's a conversation uh, around how to, how, how to get started on the right foot. Well, you know, I think a lot of people that want to start up a business or, or have that idea or dream um, maybe don't even realize that they have a network. You know, they, they probably just look at it as, well, I know a few people. But how, do they, how does somebody that's just getting started identify a network that they can um, leverage? You know, it's, it's funny. I, a few years ago, you know, it would have been conversations about, you know, go to your local chamber of commerce, you know, places like, um, like I mentioned, SCORE, you know, each of the, the SBA district offices has a group of uh, volunteers who are generally retired financial partners. Um, I will say banks are actually a really good place to just have a conversation with, a, you know, a, a, a trusted financial advisor about, what it takes to start a small business and the things that they will be looking for, you know, as, as potentially your financial partner. But I will also say that over the last few years, um, one of the spaces that's developed is, is really in, in the social media sector. So, um, you know, platforms like LinkedIn, you can actually find you know, groups um, that, that, you know, you can talk to online and look for both information, resources, opinions, you know, people, you know, first-time restaurant owners. I mean, there's, there's entire 
um, forums that exist for you to log in and find information and talk to other people going through very similar scenarios to, to what you may be experiencing or have questions about. You know, the power of free information, it, it can be dangerous. You want to do your research. But you're also going to you know, find trends and find you know, you know, common feedback on, on you know, what to do and, and, frankly, more importantly, what not to do. Yeah. Now, you mentioned uh, uh, an example from Huntington Bank of a resource that's uh, available for minority-owned businesses. Um, but are all startups at risk, and, and do minority-owned businesses uh, by um, blacks and Latinx and, and women, for that matter, um, are, are they more at risk than other startups? When you think about the term at risk, um, I often tie that also to the concept of under-resourced. Um, and what we've seen historically is that, um, you know, for, for, for um, any person to start a small business, you know, they want to, we want to make sure that they have, you know, the, the opportunity to do the research, that they're prepared to start the small business beyond the passion that they bring to the table. And, you know, for a female, for a veteran, you know, for many of our minority small business owners, um, they, the, the access to capital and the programs carry both, in, in some cases, a generational, um, uh, I, will, I will say, um, uh, almost like an urban legend around access to capital. And one of the things that we're trying our hardest to do at Huntington specifically right now is to show the small business community, especially, like I said, women and, and veterans and minority-owned small businesses, that we have programs for them, that, that they are meant to bank with us, and that we would really like to see them take advantage of some of the programs that we're offering right now instead of the alternatives. And we've seen these communities become, um, you know, look to things like what we refer to as bootstrapping. So um, they will leverage, um, you know, they'll, they'll do some fundraising in their communities or they'll take out personal credit cards. Um, you know, they don't think that bank financing is for them. And when they start in that fashion, um, it, it's more difficult. And it takes, in, in some cases, it takes longer for them to build a balance sheet that can help them grow in, in, in a sense that's going to really position them for long-term success. And again, we're really, it's going to take some time to overcome some of those, uh, you know, some of those, um, the lack of trust that exists between some communities and banking institutions. Um, and, and it really, it does create additional risk for them just because of the way that they're structuring their business from the onset. Um, so again, the more research they can do, the more time they can spend, um, really in, encourage them to look at the options that are available through community lenders, through, through banks like Huntington. We're really looking to help them succeed. You know, we really want to see more small businesses start. We want to see them grow. Uh, frankly, right now, it's a great time to also see small businesses refinance. Um, you know, you can refi your house when rates are low and, and, you know, things are a little strange. You can certainly do the same with a small business. You know, recapitalizing your balance sheet, consolidating your debt, get rid of all those credit cards that you used to get started and, and get a very patient, low-cost uh, uh, financial partner in place. Uh, my guest is uh, Margaret Ferentz from uh, Huntington Bank, and we're we're talking about uh, opportunities for small businesses uh, in the wake of the uh, the global pandemic, COVID nineteen. Um, Maggie, you mentioned um, access to capital, 
and we've talked about some of the you know recovery programs is access to capital for small businesses especially minority owned businesses a a temporary thing brought on by by federal dollars from relief programs uh, like the recovery act and so on um or has access to capital for minority-owned businesses and startups become a a fixture in the financial industry? I truly believe that it's become a fixture in the financial industry. And for institutions like Huntington, um, you know, we have, you know, we pride ourselves in the fact that we've been the number one SBA lender in our footprint, most specifically for, you know, over a decade. Um, you know, we're, we're technically the number one SBA lender by unit nationwide, um, but it's really been most important to us to be the most active lender in each of the communities where we live and work, where we're invested as an organization. And that was before the pandemic. You know, that was before SBA was, frankly, a household name because of the PPP lending programs. And really what has shifted, in my opinion, is, is the focus you know, the, the opportunity, the platform to have these conversations. The access to capital was always there in, in, in its form. Now the opportunity is to help rebuild the trust that I mentioned previously between really the, you know, the banking community and, and some of the minority and female and veteran-owned small business communities that didn't feel support historically, that, that had, frankly, either perceived or real barriers to get access to that capital. And really for um, programs like Huntington to come out with Lift Local and to encourage applications specifically from female, veteran, and minority-owned small businesses is, is our, I will say, olive branch, if you will, to the community to say we would like to see you come to a bank and to help us. You know, we will help you build the small business. We will be your partner. But it's also something that has been built in a way that it is going to be sustained it is a cornerstone to our community plan. You know, we, we just launched a $40 billion community plan throughout our entire retail footprint. And it's also really something that we believe is going to continue to drive a lot of our peers to continue to focus on this. The bottom line is that this is the future of our country. And as really the statistics have continued to you know, evolve into a more diverse and, and, and really a more welcoming and hopefully at, you know, at some point a more inclusive national environment, um, we will see more and more small business owners um, in the constituencies that we're really trying to make sure feel welcome to come to banks and to build their programs correct. Maggie, I'm always tempted to ask bankers this, that during the uh, pandemic when lobbies started opening up again, was it kind of a strange sensation to see everybody who walked through the door wearing a mask? Well, I don't think it's, it's, it's probably an off-color joke, but generally when someone comes into a branch lobby with a mask on, it was not historically a good thing. That's, that's um, what so I'm getting at, and now everybody's yeah. wearing a mask. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, no, I think uh, the entire I think the in- entire country was a little unnerved at the, uh, at the, <laughs> the, the masked faces for some time. <laughs> I think so. Well, Maggie, it's uh, it's an interesting and important conversation that we're having, and I appreciate you taking time to spend with me this morning. Thank you so much. I do like to give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they might go to find out more information if they've been listening to us and think, oh, you know what, I, I'd like to look into that. Where's a good place to start? 
I think the easiest place to start is going to Huntington.com, and you can search keyword small business, or if you have interest in the program that I specifically talked about for minority, female, and veteran-owned small businesses, I suggest keyword list local. Well, Maggie, thank you so much for uh, spending this time with me and the listeners this morning, and uh, keep up the good work. Appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Take care. That was uh, Maggie or Margaret uh, Ferentz. She's a uh, senior vice president in the Business Banking Credit, SBA, and Operations Director for Hunting National Bank, based out of Columbus, Ohio. And um, we've been talking about small businesses and access to capital and the impact of uh, COVID on small businesses, etc. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I can't imagine a more auspicious start. Uh, you are governor of the most complex and powerful state in the Union. Could you tell us what are the duties of the governor of the state of New York? I have the slightest idea. Well, in that connection, sir, just how often do you actually go to your office? Annually. We continue with Mr. St. Ledger. Uh, one of the biggest problems facing you in New York is the plight of the New Haven Railroad. I read a lot about it in the papers. <laughs> well, what exactly is the problem? Give me an example. If a train arrived in Grand Central from, say, Westport, Connecticut at four this afternoon, when would it have left Westport? Eleven years ago. <laughs> Can I ask you a rather tough question about taxes? Go all the way. <laughs> Your opponents say that if you are re-elected, the small businessman will be taxed out of existence. There's no question. <laughs> Mr. Swayze? Governor, how do you like Bobby Kennedy being in your state? I'm really deeply grateful. Are you telling the truth? No. Nope. Uh, you are known to be very generous to those close to you. Over the years. Uh, well, could you tell us what you're planning to give your wife for her next birthday? Uh, the state of Connecticut and the state of New York. Uh, did I understand you correctly? You're going to give your wife... Both states and the people in those two states. <laughs> Thank you for being with us, and good night. Goody night. Oh. And a goody night to you, too. This was another Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
Hi, this is Joe By from the Blue Lions, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Start your weekend early with the Tom Sumner Program every Friday live at 11. We turn the spotlight on the world of arts and entertainment featuring artists from music, TV, and the movies. Catch everything from the rich local talent pool in and around Flint and Genesee County to up-and-coming stars of stage and screen, plus legends from New York and Hollywood. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is... This is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. Hey, this is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Start your weekend right. Go to 11 Fridays on the Tom Sumner Program. Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Imagine a journey down a picturesque riverway. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490.
TheTomSumnerProgram.com Hey, this is First Ward City Councilman Eric Mays, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Ladies and gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickerson. <laughs> This day will go down in history as precedent-shattering. John Bickerson is smiling. Despite the lateness of the hour, the fact that he has had perhaps the hardest day of his life at the office, John Bickerson is smiling. Why? Tell us, John. Two weeks vacation with pay. <sighs> Wait till I tell Blanche, brother, how I've longed for this. I'll sew myself into the bed sheets and sleep for ten days. John? Hello, Blanche. How is my beautiful wife? What? Would you like me to bring you a glass of milk and a cookie? And here's a little present for you. You look wonderful, honey. Oh, this is awful. What's the matter? This morning I burned my hand on the stove. I ripped my only pair of nylons. My inlay fell out, and now you come home drunk. What are you talking about? I'm not drunk and you know it. Then why are you so nice to me? What's the use? When I come home tired, can't smile, she beefs. When I come home and try to be pleasant, she accuses me. Put out the lights. You're not going to bed with your shoes on. Yes, I am. I work like a horse. I might as well sleep like a horse. Why did you bring me a present? What have you been up to, John? Bring his wife a present. Oh, stop it. A husband doesn't bring his wife a present unless he's done something wrong. I've brought you a million presents and I've never done anything wrong. Never. Not since the day I married you. I wish you'd let me sleep. Sure. Sleep. That's the easiest way out when you've got a guilty conscience. Blanche, I tell you, I haven't got a guilty conscience. Then why did you buy me an expensive present? It isn't an expensive present. It's the crummiest present I could find. I could believe that, all right. What is it? Why don't you open it and see? I bet you've gone and thrown away your money on some stupid thing I can't even use. Oh, you can use it fine. A home beauty outfit. It's got everything, just what you need. Wrinkle cream, freckle remover, hair darkener, false eyelashes, chin reducing strap. What kind of a present do you call this? What are you hinting at? How did I know what was in it? Nobody would use this but a homely woman. Oh, that's not true. All women use it. They do not. Only the homely ones and I wouldn't touch it. The sales girl in the drugstore said she uses it all the time, and she's not half as homely as you are. What? I mean, you're just as pretty. And that's just about what happened. You walked into a drugstore, saw a pretty face, and didn't know what you were buying. I didn't look at her face at all. If you were going to buy me a present, why didn't you buy me something I could use? Why didn't you get me an ounce of taboo? What's that? My favorite perfume. Well, you've got a dresser full of perfume. Taboo, Sabu, Snafu, Sterno. Enough perfume for any woman alive. Look at those bottles. They're all empty. And it's all your fault. You left the corks out and it evaporated. I leave the cork out of my bourbon, don't I? Well, what about it? That never evaporates. You never give it a chance. I don't see why I should have to do without because of your nasty habits. What do you think makes a thing dry up, John? Wish I knew. Don't be so funny. Oh, I'm not funny. I'm sleepy. You know I worked at the office 18 hours without a let-up? That's what you said you did. That's what I did. I did it for what I thought was a good reason, but now I'm sorry. Why? Forget it. What is it, John? What happened? (gasps) 
You lost your job. I didn't lose my job. I got two weeks vacation with pay. It's the first vacation I've had in seven years, and I wanted to enjoy it. But no, you wouldn't stand for that, would you? How can you say that, John? Of course I want you to enjoy yourself. Where's the money? In my wallet. Two whole weeks pay. Now, do you mind if I rest? You know, John, I haven't had a vacation either. A change of scene will do us both a world of good. If you're so tired, there's only one thing in the world for you to do. He's doing it. Where did he say that money was? Oh, here it is. Two weeks' pay. Blanche, put that money back. Oh, I I thought you were sleeping, dear. What were you doing with that money? What's the matter, Blanche? I'm not doing anything. I'm just counting it to see if they gave you the right amount. It's the right amount. Put it back and go to sleep. You needn't talk like that. I wasn't going to steal it. Who said you were? Just like you to make a crack like that. I didn't make any cracks at all. Go on. Call the police. Have me arrested. Put me in prison. Nobody's putting you in prison. They'll lock me up in solitary confinement. Rats running all over me in my cell. And I stand helpless, shaking, behind iron bars. No way to escape. Blanche. Oh, why don't you send me a hacksaw, John? You're getting hysterical. Well, don't go accusing me of taking your money. It's half mine anyway. It's all yours. All I want is sleep. I don't see why we can't go away on a vacation for a few days. You go. I told you I'm going to do nothing but sleep for the whole two weeks. You'll have to get up sometime. Not even once. How are you going to collect your unemployment insurance? What unemployment insurance? You're going to be out of work for two weeks. You can't collect unemployment insurance if you've got a job. If you're not working, you haven't got a job, have you? That's different. Why? I don't know why. Nobody does it, that's all. Well, what's the good of unemployment insurance if you don't get any money when you're unemployed? Being on vacation is not the same as being unemployed. Don't tell me. What? Clara's husband, Barney, has never had a job his whole life, and he collects his unemployment check every week. He can't collect any checks if he doesn't work. I thought you said they only pay you when you don't work. That's right. But you have to work before you can be out of work so you have a legitimate claim for the money you earned that you don't get. I don't get it. Oh, leave me alone. And I'm telling you now, John, you've got two weeks off and you're going to do one of two things. Do you hear me? I hear you. Either you start collecting your unemployment insurance or else you fill in those two weeks with another job. Another job? This is my vacation. I don't care. It won't hurt you to work those two weeks. And we could use the money. Okay, I'll get another job in the morning. You say it, but you won't do it. Do it now. What? Go on, get up, get a job, you loafer. What kind of a job can I get at 2 o'clock in the morning? What's the matter with being a night watchman? I won't do it. I won't do it. You've got no right to deprive me of my two weeks off. I don't care what happens. I won't get another job. All right, then. Promise you'll take me away on a vacation. There's no way out. I promise. Will you swear? Every minute that we're away. I know where we'll go. Lake Tahoe. I'll only have to buy a few more dresses and you can wear your dungarees all the time. Okay. Just tell them you came in from fishing. And if it gets cold, I've got just the thing. Let me show you what I picked up on sale yesterday. I don't want to see it. Just look at this, John. Isn't it stunning? 
What's so stunning about a bath rug? It's a fur cape, silly. Well, where's the fur? Well, that's the way it's supposed to look. It's the very latest style. Sheared beaver. Sheared beaver? It's been clipped. So have I. You have not. This is worth every penny, John. You know I'm a good judge of furs. Oh, sure. The past two years you bought a bald mink and a plucked skunk. Well, what's wrong with them? The mink stinks and the skunk shrunk. Blanche, how much did you pay for this one? Only $94. $94? Oh, Blanche, you didn't. Get that money back, you hear me? Get that money back. Don't get hysterical. As soon as the... Blanche, how could you do this to me? I deny myself everything. I've been sewing heels on your old pocketbooks and wearing them for shoes. I've been eating the padding out of my overcoat shoulders to save on breakfast cereal. I don't even drink my bourbon anymore. I just chew the cork and hit myself on the head with the bottle. I never spend a nickel on myself. You bought a bag of popcorn yesterday. That wasn't popcorn. My teeth fell out from malnutrition. I'm warning you, Blanche. Blanche, you're not going to get away with it. What do you want? Hello, Bickerson. This is Mr. Guernsey. Yes. Uh, oh, hello, Mr. Guernsey. I hate to be calling you at this hour, Bickerson, but something very urgent has come up. What happened? I just received word that our Chicago plant burned down, and we weren't covered. This morning, I filed bankruptcy proceedings, and I'm closing up for good. What? I trust you'll find a new position, and I do wish you good luck. Well, uh, thanks. By the way, Bickerson, would you mind sending back that two-week salary I gave you? I need every penny I can scrape together. Yeah, um, sure, I'll send it. Uh, goodbye. Well, did you hear that, Blanche? No, what was it? My boss, Mr. Guernsey. I lost my job. <gasps> wonderful! Wonderful? What's so wonderful about it? Now you can collect your unemployment insurance. Oh, Blanche. Good night, John. The Tom Sumner Program is made possible with support from Seth David Radwell, a recent guest on the program and author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold a Secret to Healing Our Nation, released in July 2021. As Publishers Weekly writes in its recent glowing review of American Schism, business executive Radwell's epic debut examines the historical influences that have led to what he sees as the collapse of politics in the United States. Seth Radwell makes the case that the current chasm between the American right and left can be traced back to the 18th century's Age of Enlightenment and the basic tenets of liberty, equality, and reason. American Schism provides a historical perspective that can help bridge current-day divides. American Schism by Seth David Radwell is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, go to AmericanSchismBook.com. You pilots, get off of my lawn! 
We're trying to do a radio show down here. It's a Tom Sumner program, don't you know? Go on. Go on, get out of here. <laughs>